This is Awareness Explorers. Welcome back, fellow explorers, to Awareness Explorers. I am Jonathan Robinson. I'm with my co-host. Brian Tom O'Connor. And we're going to be exploring something today that I think is a fascinating subject, which is myths around how people awaken or what leads to awakening. And my friend David Kennedy uh, came up with a list of 80 myths, and I whittled it down to 25 for my book, The Enlightenment Project, of which 10 of them revolve around what leads to awakening. And we're going to discuss those 10 today. Brian and I have been battling it out as to which one is the biggest myth, and we'll figure out which one wins once we discuss what these myths are and also what can happen when you can see around these myths, meaning I think it makes it easier to awaken. So when we came up with this topic, Brian, about myths of awakening, what was your hope or what was the first thought that passed through your head? Well, I remember reading that chapter in the book, and I found it really interesting. I, I, I enjoyed it, and and I pretty much agreed with all those myths. I, um, the number one being that it's something you get from somewhere else that you don't already have. But I don't remember all the specific ones that, I, and I think you detailed them really well. But I also remember that we talked about. You know, some were fairly obvious and didn't need a lot of discussion, and some were very interesting and meaty. Well, let's get the obvious ones out of the way. But before we get the obvious ones out of the way, let's get one other thing out of the way, and that is to thank our Patreon supporters for continuing to support us, because you make this possible. And hopefully, if you're getting value from this podcast, and you can show your appreciation by going to patreon.com forward slash awareness explorers, putting in a little as a dollar a month or more, and we reward you with instant enlightenment. That's how it works here. We reward you with extra blogs and <laughs> extra interviews and extra meditations. And uh, we try and tr treat you well, depending upon what level you support us at. So thank you for all the people doing that. Yes, I anyway. was gonna. I was gonna ask you what what number myth is is yes. instant enlightenment. That's number eleven, the instant oh, enlightenment myth, which I... uh, it goes up to twelve, as in Spinal Tap as well. But we'll we'll start with uh, one that we can instantly consider. We both agree is a ridiculous myth, and that is there's only one true path to enlightenment. Enlightenment happens only through one particular lineage. Of course, every religion thinks that they're the best. And we know, hopefully in this modern age, that there's a lot of paths to awakening. But I, I do find it interesting that a higher percentage of people seem to awaken through what I would call Buddhist techniques and other techniques. Do you have that impression? Uh no, I'm not really sure, because I know of a lot of people who are into Buddhism and Zen and have been so for 40 years with nothing to show for it. So I'm not 100% sure that's true, but maybe I'm, I, I, I have a small sample size. I think that, that there are a lot of paths, but underneath the surface of those paths, I think they're probably all really similar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, so there's a lot of different ways, and what research shows is that you just got to find what method, what path seems to work for you, and 
uh, throw in a little bit of grace and maybe something will happen. So that's one myth out of the way that there's only one way to enlightenment. Another one that we found was pretty obvious for us anyways was to claim to be awakened, you must have solid evidence. And unfortunately, there's no easy way to know if somebody's awakened because there's not one way that they behave. There's not one way to measure awakening. So what's your thoughts on that one? I don't know if you can tell whether another person is awakened, but I think that you can look inside yourself and see if you are happy, if you are filled with joy, if you, if the sense that you are an individual and everyone else is totally separate from you has softened and dissolved. I think that that's a really good sign and that you can know that. But whether other people can tell from the outside, I have no idea. Yeah, it's interesting that a lot of times people who say they've awakened and their understanding seems to be in line with that, their friends and family have said, well, I didn't notice really any change, you know, but internally that person felt like they had experienced a whole other state of consciousness. So sometimes you can't tell externally, but you can tell internally. Yes, but I also have heard reports of people saying that their friends and family said, wow, something's different about you. Mm -hmm. There seemed to be more equanimity. There seemed to be less... They seem to get triggered less often. They seem to be less critical or less tense and more sort of accepting of the way things are. You would certainly hope that those qualities would be there after awakening. Well, if they're not, then what good is awakening? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Got to get some benefit from it. Anyways, another <laughs> one that we felt was kind of obvious was uh, becoming enlightened requires luck or grace. This is a myth. Um, you must be chosen by God to fully awaken. And that doesn't seem to be the case. It seems that people can, you know, do lots of meditation and lots of different spiritual practices, and they can awaken from that. Whether luck or grace is part of it is really hard to say, because God does not necessarily say, I am bestowing grace on you. It looks like effort is, in most cases, at least a major part of the formula. Yeah, I, I, I think that I don't know if it's so much effort because a lot of the times awakening happens when people drop effort, when mm -hmm. they stop trying so hard. But um, I think that it's really odd. I think one has to try and then fail and then let go. That does seem to be a very common theme to people who woke. You know, Adyashanti, years of meditation, and then saying, uh, forget it, and then awaken. And same with the Buddha, you know, trying every possible thing. Then he sits in, under a tree and says, I'm not going to do anything, and boom. Uh, if there was a great way to shortcut that, I would have like to have found it, you know. <laughs> Why don't I just try to do nothing and be lazy and see if I awake? But it usually doesn't. You have to do step one before you do step two, I guess. Maybe. that That's, you know, that could be considered a myth of enlightenment, that there are actually steps in an orderly progression to it. Yeah. Uh, when some people feel it's simply seeing something that is already there and that 
many things can trigger that seeing. Sometimes it's extreme uh, distress uh, yeah. uh, that triggers it, and sometimes it's real. It's deep inquiry into the nature of yourself. You know, with a lot of these myths, you know, we try to always create rules or structure or, you know, understanding. And what we've seen as we looked into this subject is that it's really hard to make any rule about it, any structure about it, because people awaken in different ways and they, um, you know, some with effort, some while they're getting on the bus, they've never meditated a day in their life. You know, it's, it's really hard to make sense of it. So, when you have a belief or idea that this is how it happens, well, that's probably true for some people and probably not true for others. And it's helpful, I think, to look at these myths so that we don't feel like victim to them, like we have to do this in order to awaken, because you can always find exceptions. That's right. You can always find exceptions. And, uh, you know, there are some people who, who awaken with meditation and some who have never meditated a day in their life and they and they do although i would say that that's probably in the minor, the minority yeah i would yeah. guess yeah there were several of these myths uh these 10 myths in my book the enlightenment project that you and i had some disagreement about and i thought i'd bring up a couple of those uh, oh, one good. of them is Enlightenment, the myth says, enlightenment happens spontaneously. You can't wake up through personal effort. And we touched on that just a moment ago, that my thought is that in 98% of cases, personal effort is a big factor, including the effort of I'm working so hard that I finally hit my head into the wall so much I'm going to not do anything. Now, that is a major effort. But do you disagree with that? I do disagree with it because I really do think that that it is the dropping of effort mm -hmm. that reveals our true nature. But it's a it's we you know last week I probably used the word paradox eighteen hundred times in the episode, and I'm going to use it again. You can sit on the sofa drinking beer and watching TV, and it ain't going to happen, I don't think. That's uh, not what the Buddha would call right effort. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so, what is the effort about? And, you know, honestly, I really think the, the effort is there to help you learn what doesn't work. Hmm. But you wrote a, a book, or now two books, on techniques so how there's a paradox here mr o'connor yes and this is the paradox and this is how i would describe the paradox doing nothing ain't easy it takes practice <laughs> okay um that's one way of looking at it. and yeah you're right there are quote things that you do to help you to do nothing yep and that's god's sense of humor or something like that <laughs> That's a good way of looking at it. <laughs> okay. Well, I think we covered that one a little bit. And another one here is the moment of enlightenment, if there is one, always involves a specific and very noticeable shift, often accompanied by bliss or very positive emotions. And we're saying that that's not true. What's your hit on that? 
I would be surprised if that were not true. Uh-huh. I mean, yes, I, I, it, it can happen gradually over time. Maybe that's what we're talking about, the sudden part of it. Yeah. Um, but and, and noticeable part. Whereas, you know, from Dr. Martin's research, who I, I take uh, a lot of reference from in, in the book, The Enlightenment Project, um, it seems that most people do have a gradual awakening and that it can often be not noticeable, especially if they were kind of happy before. And, you know, it's like a frog in warm water it gets warmer, warmer, and that's hot. And then they, you know, they're gone. Well, most people seem to awaken slowly, just like most people get rich slowly. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh my God, I'm a, a millionaire. Or, oh my God, I'm really awake all the time. And I think that when people look for this sudden fireworks, blissful thing, they might be overlooking the obvious thing that their way of being in the world and their identity has gradually shifted. Yes, and so I would agree with half of that. Um, the half that it has to be sudden. Uh, I don't agree with. It doesn't have to be sudden. Yeah. It can be gradual. But the fact that there's nothing noticeable, noticeable about it, I don't think I could go along with. There really is, I think, something noticeable about it, which is that you notice that your real, deep, authentic self is happiness itself. And mm -hmm. if you haven't noticed that, I don't think you've awakened. Mm-hmm. Well, I think if you don't notice that, you haven't awakened. But I think sometimes these changes can happen so slowly and, and sure, you know, slowly but really change that it's kind of invisible to you because it was a 10-year shift one day at a time. For example, we don't notice that we're getting older because it happened so slowly. And then every now and then you look in the mirror and you go, oh, my God. Who's that person in the mirror, that old person in the mirror? But because it happened one day at a time, there was never a sense that I'm a different person now. And I think the same thing often happens with awakening in that if I had the same amount of awakening I had, I have now 10 years ago, it just suddenly hit me. I'd go, oh my gosh, that was what just happened. But nowadays just strikes me as, oh, this is part of my life. Yes, and I think that your, your analogies of uh, growing rich gradually and growing old gradually are apt. You can notice it after the fact. Mm -hmm. Especially when you compare it to an earlier time in your life. That's right. I mean, <laughs> you know, for me, honestly, earlier time in my life, I was hostile and reclusive and depressed and a total mess. And now I just enjoy. Hmm. Yeah, and I was a suicidally depressed teenager, and, you know, I, I have a hard time even imagining what that's like at this point. Yeah. Because uh, it's so far from my experience. Right. Uh, let's go into another one. Um, here's a myth, number five. You have to get rid of something or become psychologically healed before enlightenment can occur. I agree with that one. 
I agree that that's a myth is what I meant. Yeah, okay. So you don't think you have to get rid of anything uh, is what you're saying. Um, you do have to get rid of something, uh, but it's not a thing that you have. You have to get rid of your obsession with conceptual thought, with the mind's ideas. It's not so much that you get rid of it, it's that you just have to sort of learn to ignore it and not take your truth or your identity from it. And so I guess in that sense, you're getting rid of something. But it's much more about discovering something that's already there than anything else. Yeah. Well, I agree with what you're saying. And yet at the same time, you know, if you're very neurotic or depressed or full of strong beliefs, wounding from childhood, I think that makes it harder. It makes it harder to see through all that stuff. So, you know, going to a, a therapist or working through some of that stuff so it's not so screamingly loud in your head, I think makes it more likely that you'll become awake. Just like meditation doesn't lead to awakening, it just makes it more likely. And yeah. Even after you awaken, if you haven't worked through some of that stuff, it's still impacting your behavior. Yeah, yeah, I really can see see what you mean by that, and and actually, I can. It, it does match my own experience. I mean, I went through all, many years of psychotherapy in which I had to have a safe place in which to have my emotions because I wasn't having them. I was stuffing them. I was suppressing them. And that's what depression is. It's a strategy not to have emotion. And so who can say? I mean, I, you know, I had to let off the steam first. And then I found that therapy wasn't enough for me to go all the way because I really became interested in um, non-dual spirituality. And I didn't, and, and I wanted to, to, to follow that. And then that was really what went all the way to get rid of the um, the depression because I stopped having conditions on my experience. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. In other words, yeah, it's kind of like it, yeah. Go ahead. Well, uh, a metaphor I might think of is that a really tightly wound up clock is pretty busy, you know, or wound up person. And you have to let some of that stuff unwind before what's here now and is always here now starts to become more apparent. Yeah. Yeah, I really can see that. But the, the, the funny thing is, and this is another, another damn paradox, um, I think it is really good to look at your stuff and to see where you're neurotic, where you're where your behavior is less than harmonious with other people and to continue to try and and work on that and yet at the same time there's a thing about waking up where you realize that your true nature of awareness is there along with your neurotic things in other words you don't have to get rid of all your neuroses to wake up maybe that they they can actually get better afterwards you know, so yeah. it's not like yeah. there's first you have to clean up everything and then you awaken, clean up a little, awaken, keep cleaning up. But uh -huh. but 
you know, I mean, you had some quote about Ram Das and his neuroses. What, what was that? Yeah, that said, seemed uh, to be true. He said that I, I've never uh, overcome any of my neuroses. They just are more like little pets. Yeah. Yeah, that's, the, see, that's marvelous because you, you realize that all of that stuff is the little me. I make a distinction mm -hmm. between the little me and the big I. And the little me is Jonathan and Brian's mind, body, opinions, emotions, blah, blah, blah. And that's, and we think that's what we are, but it's not who we are. And the big I is our true identity, which is much bigger than that. It includes that and it includes everything that we experience. You know, I've seen people try to work just on the psychological level to get healed in every way. And just doing that, you know, is a good thing, but it doesn't necessarily lead to awakening. You know, they're, they're slightly different tracks. Absolutely not. And if you don't work on your psychological stuff and somehow you have an awakening experience, you might not heal those psychological traps. But I do think that awakening will help you to heal the psychological traps should you decide, and you should, to continue trying to be the most, trying to live the most harmonious life you can. I've, I've seen that work both ways, Brian, that yeah. um, if a person awakens, sometimes they think, eh, I don't have to deal with that stuff anymore. They're still manifesting their neuroses. They're still, That's not what I'm talking uh, about. No, I, I, but so somebody awakens and they have a choice then to use their greater access to pure awareness to see through their neuroses or sometimes, and you see this with certain teachers, they don't use their awareness to see through their psychological issues, and that becomes kind of dangerous. Absolutely, and that's why I'm saying continue to look at your psychological issues and use your newfound identity to help you with that. You know, that's in other words, you're uh, looking at it from a much larger perspective, from a big, wider background instead of, so focused. So, yes, don't stop. Don't stop. You know, like, you could be a jerk and then awaken and still be a jerk. And maybe that's fine and maybe you'll be happy, but why not try not to be a jerk? Right, right. And if awakening can help you with that, use it. Let it help you. But remember, mm -hmm. <laughs> what you're helping, what you're fixing, what you're improving isn't really you. Yeah, yeah. So let's go on to another myth we wrote about, I wrote about here, um, which is to become enlightened, you need a spiritual teacher or guru. And sometimes you and I have expressed different opinions about that. I think a spiritual teacher or guru is important, though not necessarily critical. And I think you have less, I don't know if I'd use word regard, or less uh, emphasis on that. Yeah, I suppose I do, but not because I don't think you need a teacher. I think, I think most people come into this not having a clue what it's about, and a guide, someone who's been there, is just absolutely useful. The only mm -hmm. thing that I don't recommend is 
giving all your power away, giving, giving, you know, I don't, I don't go along with the submit to the guru paradigm. I think that's not a good idea. And I, a really good example of the opposite of that would be Adyashanti, who says, listen, here's what uh, you should look to your own experience. Tr don't believe anything I say. Try it out and see for yourself. Because it really is, you must be the authority on what works for you. But to give you an idea of what to try, get a teacher or more than one. Yeah. And in fact, my teacher, Justin, used to say, you're the authority and try things out and see if this, if what he was saying proved true for you. And certainly that's a earmark of a good teacher. And today, though, you see a lot of people who, because of, you know, their individuality or whatever, or they don't want that much of a mentor or close relationship with a teacher because that's like any relationship. It, it brings up stuff and it's, it can be intense. And I think that having somebody who you're actually in real contact with that is a mentor or teacher for you is definitely very helpful on the path. Yes, and if you're avoiding having a teacher because there are things you don't want to experience, you don't want to become close because it brings up stuff, that means there is part of experience that you are separating from yourself, that you are avoiding, that you don't want. And this is all about not separating yourself from any experience whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. But just one more thing on that. The thing that I that I am really skeptical of is, oh, um, this teacher is wonderful and he's practically God and I'm going to worship at his feet and I'm going to start to dress like him and I'm going to, uh, you know, um, and he's going to give me something I don't have. And that, that, that's the myth. Yeah, I think uh, in this culture we've begun to see through that particular myth, hopefully. Hmm. Um, number eight here, myth. You have to be a good person, do good deeds, or build up positive karma before you can become enlightened. And um, it seems like that's not true because some people who have not been good and have done very few or no good deeds have seemingly awakened. So I don't know what to make of that, but it doesn't seem that being, quote, good is necessarily a path to awakening. Yeah, it's, it's still all a matter of, it's all conceptual stuff. It's all this, it's all stuff that doesn't have to do with direct experience or what, you know, Jeffrey Martin would call um, non-symbolic experience. You know, all this stuff about karma, all this stuff about doing all these ideas, these are just concepts. It's not reality. Yeah, yeah. And we have a slight affinity for getting lost in concepts rather than reality. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's where the danger yeah. lurks. Concepts, mm -hmm. it's the mind. It's the mind. And the mind, see, the mind, the mind's purpose is to make distinctions between things. But if reality is all is one, then the mind is never telling the truth. 
Right, right. I was struck by something Dr. Martin said uh, last week in a, a call to a bunch of people. He said that it looks to him that people who have no experience in spirituality or awakening when they take his courses have a much easier time awakening than the people who have lots of experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's got to be because of, you know, they have fewer concepts. It's like they have fewer rocks in their backpack. And therefore, uh, it's easier to become free, which is one of the reasons why we're talking about these myths. Because if you believe any of these myths, it's kind of weighing you down. And people who have no experience at all with spirituality, in a way, are often in a better position. Yes, I found that fascinating, too, in that talk. Uh, that, yes, there's a lot of spiritual concepts out there, and we read books and watch YouTube videos and immerse ourselves in this, or we get involved in a particular tradition, often from another culture, or the one we grow up in can also happen. And it's the mind taking over and saying, hey, it's all about this. It's all about rules. It's all about uh, concepts. It's all about dogma. It's all about that. And it's about none of that. It's about direct experience unfiltered by the mind. Doesn't seem like it would be that hard, but... Uh, but Unfortunately, the way we're wired is it's not our normal way of being in the world. That's right. It's, it's, it is hard. It's simple. Much, so mm -hmm. much simpler than we think it is. And that's one of the main myths, that it's complicated. It's not. Right. It's utterly but, simple, which isn't to say it's easy. Yeah, which brings us to our last myth to explore, which is that enlightenment, getting to enlightenment takes a lot of time. and. You know, I was in a, a spiritual community with a teacher for 26 years, and that was part of the idea floating in that community, that, you know, if you work your way up the spiritual ladder and purify yourself and know yourself enough, someday in the distant future, you might just get to the top of that mountain and be enlightened. And then when I left that group and encountered what's often been called the direct awakening path. It was mind-blowing to me. You mean, you don't need any of that stuff? You know, I can get there right this second? What have I been doing the last friggin' 26 years? Um, but, you know, those years were helpful in, in knowing myself and knowing some obstacles and growing some strengths in me, but they weren't necessarily helpful in getting to enlightenment because enlightenment is always just here and now. It, there's, you, you can't do something now that, uh, like with money, you save it up and you can cash it in at the future. That's right. I think that is really super. And I'm so glad you, you brought that. Because it's about time. It's about our misconceptions about time. It's about our idea that enlightenment is something that's going to happen to us in the future. And this is, I think, the, the uber myth. The biggest myth of them all. Uh, I mean, Ramana Maharshi, and I know I'm not going to be able to quote him directly, said that um, there was absolutely nothing gained by enlightenment that he did not already have. And that's mm -hmm. just, that's a very loose, you know, um, probably misquote. But the idea is 
you look you're looking for something that's there you're looking for you're looking for the for direct experience you're not, and and the idea that you have to do something to get something in the future that you don't have is just mind stuff it's just not true it's the biggest myth of all yeah I like um, some of the stuff that I've read that Jan Fraser has said about time and enlightenment. Uh, and we interviewed her earlier on an earlier episode. And she says, basically, it's really changing your relationship to time. You know, for when I'm not in an enlightened moment, it feels like I'm kind of on a, a timeline. There's a Jonathan in the past, there's a guy right now, there's kind of what I'm doing tomorrow and next week. And there's a sense of con continuity over time. But in my enlightened moments, that whole concept strikes me as hysterically funny because there's only now, there's only ever been now, there will always only be now. And it's like I get the, the timeline gets cut off and the idea of a future gets cut off. So if there's no future and there's just now, there's no Jonathan character, there's no ego, there's just now. And this idea that this character will get enlightened in the future, just in my enlightened moments, always strikes me as hysterically funny. Yeah, you've really summed it up beautifully there, really, because uh, it's true. The, the, the past and the future only exist in your mind only and direct experience can only happen now enlightenment can only happen now and it is it is the complete experience of the present moment without memory of the past without imagination of the future just this i call it now period here period this period. What makes that a little bit hard is that we live in a material world in which, like, for example, you save up money for the future or for your retirement, or you, you work hard for a future goal. And all that future conditioning seeps into our spirituality. And yet they are completely different worlds. So That's if right. you take stuff from one world and try to apply it to another world, you are doing yourself a great disservice. Yeah, you hit the nail right on the head. It's applying those kind of paradigms from the material world, like, like from sport. I have to practice something and get better at it. I have to gain mm -hmm. a skill, right. uh, things like that. Uh, that. All of that stuff, it's just mind stuff. It's just mind stuff. Let it go. It's not going to help you. It doesn't apply to the world of awakening. It doesn't apply. But the other myth is that somehow, therefore, the individual person can't plan for the future. I mean, you know, that's just, that's, that's the opposite end of the myth. The idea that yeah. somehow anything having to do with the practical life of an individual is unspiritual. No, the, the, we live the, the, in both worlds at the same time. Yeah, yeah, we, we live in both worlds, but who lives in which world? And that's the mm -hmm. crux of the matter. 
the Jonathan character, the Brian character, live in the world of of relative relative relativity. You know, the, you, you if you want to catch a plane, you have to decide what time to leave. And the uh, the real you, the real authentic big eye of pure awareness, is what notices the Brian character planning for the future mm-hmm. at the moment, yeah. right now. Yep. So hopefully by exploring those myths and seeing through them or around them that you're letting go of some beliefs or belief systems, which shorthand for BS, uh, belief systems, (laughs) will help you to have more awakened moments. And I'm going to lead a guided meditation that might help you to let go of one of your beliefs, or maybe more, that might have interfered or caused a uh, blockage to having more awakened moments. So if you're ready for that, make yourself comfortable. I'm going to be borrowing a method from my friend Sanjay, who has a great way for us uncovering our beliefs. That's very simple. So... From a place of comfort, with your eyes open or closed, take a couple of slow, deep breaths. And I want you to think of any myth that you might have believed that had to happen before you could awaken. And a way to uncover such a belief is to complete this sentence in your head or out loud. I can't completely wake up now because I can't completely wake up now because just see what shows up for you with that sentence. And take note of that belief. And then ask yourself, could I let go of that belief just for now? Could I let go of that belief just for now? And feel into what it would feel like to let go of that particular belief or obstacle. like a heavy backpack being lifted from you, that belief might have been interfering with your complete opening to what's possible for you right now. Full enlightenment, full awakening, is here now, is always here now, and it's just certain ideas and beliefs that somehow and sometimes obscure that experience. Let's try this one more time. 
to see if there's another unconscious idea or belief or myth that you might have believed that kept you from full awakening. So complete this sentence. I can't completely wake up right now and experience enlightenment because... Listen for whatever shows up. I can't completely wake up now because... Take note of whatever your mind or a part of you put forward, and then ask yourself, could I let go of that belief or idea and experience being fully awake right now? What would it be like if I just let that belief go? How might you feel differently? How might your relationship with time be different? How might your relationship with your thoughts be different? Allow yourself to just sink in to the experience of full awakeness right now. And when you're ready, if your eyes were closed, you can slowly open them. Maintaining a connection. to awareness, to your real nature as you look around the world. Letting go of any belief or thought that might get in the way of you maintaining your awakeness. And enjoy your day. Thank you. Ryan, was there anything that showed up for you that uh, seemed like an obstacle or a belief uh, that c keeps you from awakening? Well, it was a little more abstract than that. Okay. It was a little more like Becoming, becoming involved in habits, uh, personal comfort, personal uh, desires and habits, that, that the idea that somehow those are in the way. 
was one of them. So I can't wake up now because I have too many habits and desires in the way. Yeah, right, right. Or too many, yeah, yeah. Right. right. And the truth is that you can wake up and have habits and desires. Uh, that's right. As a matter of fact, I thought that was such a perfect meditation because the truth is that that nothing that you're going to come up with in answer to that question is true. Yeah. Yeah, and and only by seeing these obstacles, seeing these beliefs in the way, and letting them go, and questioning them, can we see through them or around them, and not have them have such a major impact on keeping us from moment-to-moment -moment awakening. Yeah, it just seems to me that what happened during that meditation was you would ask the question and some image or thought would come up in the mind. Then it would go away, it would drop away. And it left me almost, <laughs> almost inarticulate. Like, in other words, I, I was in a state where language no longer was ruling my experience. And I found it really difficult to shift gears and go back into the language gear. Well, that's a sign of a good meditation, I think. It sounds like you were affected. I think so. Good. You, you look different, actually, for our YouTube viewers. Uh, Brian looks a little bit like a, like a, a little kid right now. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I do feel that way. Uh, Any one. last words, or are you beyond words uh, right now, Brian? Well, I, I, I'm beyond words. No, I, I do have a few last words. Um, uh, this is fun. Yeah. I mean, just sort of batting it back and forth and thinking, hmm, what do I think of this, or what's my experience of this, or what other people experience and realizing that each one of the myths that came along seemed like it could be boiled down into one basic thing, which we talked about over and over, which is just, you know, willingness to let go of concepts and just be here now experiencing the, experiencing the moment unfiltered. Yeah, yeah. That all of the myths have to do with with all these concepts that we have around it. So it's simple. Just drop all your concepts. Just drop your concepts. That's all. Easy. One step to enlightenment. Actually, if you want uh, my five favorite ways to drop concepts, yeah, uh, you can go to theenlightenmentproject.net Put in your email address, and I send a ebook to you, a free ebook, on my five favorite ways to let go of your concepts and experience inner peace right away. And that's all free. So that's at theenlightenmentproject.net. And of course, you can learn about my book there as well. And uh, I think that's a wrap. I think um, we gave people the one, the one step to enlightenment. Just let go of all your concepts. You're there. <laughs> 
yeah. we're end with, we'll end with that. You can't end with anything better than that. And hope to catch you next time. Tell your friends and family if this stuff inspires you, because the world needs all the help and peaceful people it can get. So till next time, keep exploring. Keep exploring, but without concepts or thinking. Yes. <laughs> Direct experience, unfiltered. Thank you for listening to Awareness Explorers. To learn more, you can check out our website at awarenessexplorers.com. Please subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast app. We'd love it if you would post a review. And please share our link on Facebook and with family and friends, because knowing yourself as awareness is the greatest gift you can give yourself or someone you love.